Revelations 13, on page 1242. The dragon stood on the shore of the sea, and I saw a beast coming out of the sea. It had ten horns and seven heads, with ten crowns on its horns, and on each head a blasphemous name. The beast I saw resembled a leopard, but had feet like those of a bear and a mouth like that of a lion. The dragon gave the beast his power and his throne and great authority. One of the heads of the beast seemed to have a fatal wound, but the fatal wound had been healed. The whole world was filled with wonder and followed the beast. People worshipped the dragon because he had given authority to the beast. And they also worshipped the beast and asked, Who is like the beast? Who can wage war against it? The beast was given a mouse to utter proud words and blasphemies to exercise its authority for 42 months. It opened its mouth to blaspheme God and to slander his name and his dwelling place and those who live in heaven. It was given power to wage war against God's holy people and to conquer them. It was given authority over every tribe, people, language and nation. All the inhabitants of the earth will worship the beast all whose names have not been written in the Lamb's book of life, the Lamb who was slain from the creation of the world. Whoever has ears, let them hear. If anyone is to go into captivity, into captivity they will go. If anyone is to be killed with the sword, with the sword they will be killed. This calls for patient endurance and faithfulness on the part of God's people. Then I saw a second beast coming out of the earth. It had two horns like a lamb, but it spoke like a dragon. It exercised all the authority of the first beast on its behalf and made the earth and its inhabitants worship the first beast, whose fatal wound had been healed. And it performed great signs, even causing fire to come down from heaven to the earth in full view of the people. Because of the signs, it was given power to perform on behalf of the first beast. It deceived the inhabitants of the earth. It ordered them to set up an image in honour of the beast who was wounded by the sword and yet lived. The second beast was given power to give breath to the image of the first beast so that the image could speak and cause all who refused to worship the image to be killed. It also forced all people, great and small, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hands or on their foreheads so that they could not buy or sell unless they had the mark, which is the name of the beast or the number of its name. 
This calls for wisdom. Let the person who has insight calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man. That number is 666. This is 12... 13, 14, and a little bit of 15 uh, this morning, and uh, I've got uh, just less than 20 minutes. Um, so let me pray for us as uh, we seek to, uh, seek to move forwards. Oh, Father, thank you that you speak to, speak to us through your word. Please help us to listen and help us to understand. Father, we are aware that we need wisdom uh, as we do this. Amen. Well, uh, today it is, it is right, isn't it, that we, uh, we naturally, we rightly grieve for the world, isn't it? You know, how, how are we to make sense of what is going on in the world? In the past, I, I think of my great-grandfather who lived uh, nearly four years in the trenches uh, in Belgium through the First World War. My, uh, my, for example, my, my, my granddad who was in London during the Blitz, both, both men saw just horrific evil. They experienced it firsthand. How do you make sense of that world? And of course, uh, as we try to comprehend evil in the world, we need an answer to the problem of evil, don't we? Yeah, uh, military solutions, as necessary as they might be in global politics, they can't eradicate ideologies, nor can they eradicate the inclination of the human heart towards evil. And that is why it's right we understand evil in the world rightly. Now look, I'm not saying there are easy answers, simple answers, but as we look in Revelation, of course we'll see something that will encourage us. Conflict is a part of today's world. Evil is real, it exists. And in the midst of that, God's people are to endure and to not give up. We've seen this over the last few weeks as we've been looking at the book of Revelation. The church is to press on. It's not in vain. Why? Because God is in control. Uh, The visions in chapter 6 and 7, the seals of destiny, was the first of four overlapping visions uh, in the book of Revelation. Uh, And we saw back in chapter 6 and 7 through these seven seals that though the spiritual forces of evil are unleashed in the world, the four horsemen of the apocalypse, God will bring about his plan of salvation for the world. He will gather together a people for himself from every tribe, nation, and language together in worship of Jesus before he brings the world to its conclusion and its completion in Jesus Christ. That is what God is doing. And uh, last week we looked at the seven trumpets. Uh, warning of judgment by God on hardened humanity. It's it's the same pattern uh, as the seals. Uh, But uh, God, again, he's bringing uh, his warning to the world to rouse a deaf world to evil, uh, that God is bringing about his purposes, uh, and he's calling the world to repentance. And today we arrive in seven visions uh, of conflict. And we're introduced to uh, the unseen actor 
behind the evil in the world. I'm going to leave this slide up so you can kind of follow, if you can see it, all right, follow, uh, follow where we are um, through, through these kind of chapters. Uh, here is an overview of the history of the world as seen from heaven. Again, what is God doing? Well, uh, the first vision in uh, chapter 12, uh, if you like, paints uh, the, 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 you know, the, the picture of what is going on. It, it, it provides us the context uh, for the world. Uh, this vision in, in chapter 12, verse 1, it's on page uh, 1,241. Uh, in this vision, a pregnant woman appears, verse 1, as a woman clothed with the sun, uh, with the moon under her feet and a crown of 12 stars on her head. She was pregnant and cried out in pain as she was about to give birth. Now, uh, here is drawing from uh, the Old Testament pictures are, are referring to Israel, uh, a woman in labor. And, and this woman here at this point stands for the, the, the church of the Old Testament, the true Israel from which the Messiah is born. But it's clear as we read on in the chapter, uh, it also stands for the new people of God in Christ. So look ahead at verse 17 uh, over the page. Uh, the rest of the women's offspring, we're told, are those who obey God's commandments and hold to the testimony of Jesus. So that the, the woman here uh, representing the church, but she's in danger, verse 3, from an enormous red dragon that appears. It's powerful with seven heads and uh, ten horns, seven crowns on the heads. This is, remember, this is symbolic language. Okay, these, these heads and these horns and these crowns point to leadership and power and dominion. And so here this dragon has uh, dominant power. And verse 9 tells us that this dragon is Satan. Uh, the great dragon was hurled down that ancient snake called the devil or Satan who leads the world astray. Paul uh, in uh, 2 Corinthians calls him the God of this world because he exercises power over it. And he is a formidable opponent. Uh, back to verse 4, uh, he immediately wants to devour the child of the woman. Well, who is this child? Well, again, remember this is symbolic, not literal language. Uh, well, this child is, we're told, the son, the one uh, with whom will be given, who will rule with the iron rod taken from Psalm 2. He is the Christ, the Messiah. But the devil fails in this, in trying to devour the son and uh, to destroy the woman. Uh, she flees to a place of destruction for uh, 1,260 days. And that's three and a half years. Why is that significant? Well, it's half of seven, the complete time. And therefore, I think this simply just means half of world time. The AD portion that we're in, between Christ's resurrection and his return, uh, this Christ uh, will continue to rule. And whilst there's much more that we can, can be said from this, this chapter, that please, in the midst of all that's going on, please notice this, that... Jesus has the victory over Satan. 
A decisive victory has been won against him as Jesus, as he dies on the cross, a victory that is proclaimed as he's ascended uh, from the dead and into heaven. And then as we wait for his return, uh, he rules with power and authority. And therefore, remember back from chapter six and seven, as Jesus dies, that the lamb who was slain, that makes it possible for him to fulfill all the purposes of God, to bring about the world's conclusion to its end. Now look, this, this, this chapter, I've gone through it very quickly. It is baffling at times, and at times, if I'm honest, a bit disturbing, but, but don't lose sight of this. The devil is and will be defeated. That's the point. Let me say that again. Because in this world where war is taking place, innocent people are being killed, children are being beheaded, the devil is and will be defeated. Praise God. But his power is real. It is destructive and we grieve for that today, don't we? Of all days this year, we grieve for the power of evil at work in our world. But it will pass. You see, Satan can't get at Jesus. He's the king of kings and the lord of lords. He's secure in heaven, ruling. And Satan can't get at God's people in Christ either. You know, when the the devil reminds you of your past, and he loves to do that, he's the accuser, just remind him of his future. Chapter 13. Well, uh, we've had the backdrop. Now we're describing the war in these next two visions, visions two and three, two visions of two beasts. What's going on here? Well, uh, the first one I see in in chapter 13, verses one to 10 is, uh, we're told to patiently endure even when the state is trying to kill you. Now, what do I mean there? Well, uh, here we have a vision of the beast emerging from the sea. And uh, down through the ages, people have made all sorts of speculations as to who this beast is. Um, And uh, I think it's fruitless to try and pinpoint a particular person, uh, either in the past or yet to come, because this vision is taken from Daniel chapter 7. Uh, It's in the Old Testament. You you don't need to turn to it. But Daniel had a similar vision, uh, that of uh, four beasts coming out of the sea, the beasts of a lion, a bear, and a leopard, and then finally a, a fourth horned beast, a terrible one. And Daniel in, in Daniel 7 is given the interpretation for us of what this means. We're told that these beasts represent kings and their kingdoms that will rise up waging war against God's people. And notice in Revelation 13, uh, verse 2, these beasts are brought together as one beast. So verse 2, the beast I saw resembled a leopard, but it had feet like those of a bear and a mouth like that of a lion. The dragon gave the beast his power and his throne and great authority. In other words, we're not to, to, to identify this beast with one particular person, whether that is medieval papacy or, or, or kind of some Roman emperor or whatever people have done in the past. No, rather that this beast represents kingdoms, states that are hostile to the Christian faith. Uh, They are demanding allegiance that only rightly belongs to Christ. And these oppressive states 
are one expression of Satan's evil work in the world. Look again, verse 2. The dragon gave the beast his power and his throne or authority. And so uh, what are these states doing? They're, they're exercising in destructive power, leading war, uh, state-sponsored terrorism, and all the rest, but specifically against God's people. Verse 7. Uh, it was given power to wage war against God's holy people and to conquer them. And it was given authority over every tribe, people, language, and nation. You can't escape this beast. Okay? It's, it's there. It's present in our world. And it will oppress the world. It will oppress God's people. Uh, it will even uh, try to silence them, to shame them, uh, even imprison them. Yes, even murder them. But this, notice this beast has a mortal wound. Its end will come. But for the church, in the midst of this battle, do you give up? In, in the face of those who want to silence you, shame you, imprison you, or even murder you, do you give up? A few years ago, I heard the testimony of a group of bishops uh, from the province of Myanmar. And um, imagine that over the years they've, spent, uh, they've suffered terrible persecution from the Myanmar state, bent on destroying them. Uh, the church, wonderfully under God's hand, was growing. So the state imprisoned these bishops. And, and being imprisoned in Myanmar did not sound enjoyable, I promise you. But what happened? Well, these bishops were imprisoned. What did they do? Well, they told other prisoners the gospel and the church continued to grow in these prisons. So, so what did the state do? put them in solitary confinement. Uh, one of these uh, bishops described that experience very on, honestly and candidly. He talked about the effect that had on his faith uh, in, in the midst of that dark place. He said that he, he was brought to a place where he nearly lost his faith. He couldn't keep going. But in his despair, he clung on. God kept him. He endured Church is released. The church continues to grow in Myanmar. Pray for it. Verses 9 and 10, chapter 13. Whoever as has ears, let them hear. If anyone goes to captivity, into captivity they will go. If anyone is to be killed with the sword, with the sword they will be killed. This calls for patient endurance and faithfulness on the part of God's people. Will you take that to heart in a hostile world? As the state tries to conform its morality upon you, will you take that to heart? Uh, Romans 12, verse 12, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Friends, we need to take that to heart. Well, uh, the third vision, uh, another beast. Uh, we're told to be wise. Wise in a religious culture because even those in the church can deceive you. Uh, chapter 13, verses 11 to 18. Now this second beast is uh, rather different from the first one. Uh, verse 11, Then I saw a second beast coming out of the earth. It had two horns like a lamb, but it spoke like a dragon. And so here this, this beast, uh, it has horns like a lamb, but it's not a gruesome figure. It actually looks quite attractive. But, but don't mistake that because it's very deceptive. Why? Because it's actually an agent of the first beast. 
Uh, verse 13, it says this, this lamb, well, it, it, it uses miracles. And as a result, verse 14, many are deceived. You see, what's going on here in, in this vision, we have a parody of the Messiah. You know, he looks so attractive, he's like a lamb, but his words are evil. He uses coercion, verse 15, to force believers to follow the ways of the world. And again, verse 17, uh, only those that participate in, uh, in, in, uh, and follow this beast that they're allowed to kind of join in with the nation's economy. In other words, what's going on with this beast here? We have institutional religion that says you can only participate in society if you conform to the values of our society. And it is the religion, not the state, that's doing that. Look, Jesus warned us quite plainly, didn't he, of, what, of, well, of wolves dressed in sheep's clothing. He says, be on our guard, don't be deceived. Well, what are we to do when the church tells us to be like the world? Let the reader understand. Well, we're to seek, verse 18, wisdom. Wisdom is the ability to see through difficult problems. And we're going to need wisdom to see through Satan's deceit. The origin of such ministry is evil. 666. One less than perfection it is evil. Well, how do we get gospel wisdom? Well, we need to know, believe, and apply the Bible carefully. Well, the Bible tells us wonderfully that uh, we have a great security in the midst of this, which brings us to the fourth vision, the lamb and his people. Take heart, the lamb wins. So follow and proclaim him. I'm going to cover the rest of these uh, visions kind of briefly uh, in the next couple of minutes. But um, chapter 14 is, is, is wonderful because it describes the outcome of the battle. We've had a description of it. Now we see uh, where it's going to conclude. And, look, and if, if you, we, we see, don't we, war going on on our TV screens and our newspapers on the internet. We, we see war going on. We see the weapons they use. We see the destruction it causes. We, we, we see their weaponry. We see their strength. And, and, look, and if that's all we saw night after night, we'd get pretty discouraged quickly in this battle, wouldn't we? If all we're seeing is the enemies and their strength and their tactics. Uh, John knows that. He's pointed at the, his camera at them long enough so that we know our enemy uh, so we can realize their strength and their evil. But before we get too discouraged by that, comes chapter 14, that the camera shifts its direction and gives us this glorious vision of the Lamb and his followers. Chapter 14, verse 1. There before me stood the Lamb standing on Mount Zion, and with him 144,000 who had his name and his father's name written on their foreheads. See, remember, this is symbolic language. Uh, we've seen 144,000 before. It is a symbolic number that speaks of the totality of God's people. They're all there. Not one of them is missing. And there, they're with the Lamb on Mount Zion. 
Uh, and as they're with the lamb, and remember this is the real lamb, not the counterfeit one like we saw in chapter 13. They're there in, 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 in Mount Zion, the new Jerusalem in which we're going to see in chapter 21. God's perfect world. You see, in the light of the battle that rages, don't look, lose sight of uh, what God is doing. Again and again, we've seen that in Revelation, haven't we? Uh, all the way through the book, it describes the world and the present state, and then it takes us away from this world to the heavenly realms, because that is where our hope is anchored. Uh, verse 4 tells us more about this 144,000. They were those who didn't defile themselves with women, who kept themselves pure. They followed the Lamb wherever He goes. Uh, we're not meant to take that literally, that, that kind of somehow that these are only celibate men in heaven. No, uh, it's, it's a faithful people, uh, those who have not been spiritually adulterous. They've been faithful to God and to the Lamb. They keep pure. And it won't always have been easy for them to do that, but they've done it. Judgment will come, and they've kept faithful. And that judgment is uh, described in the sixth vision, but before the sixth vision is the fifth vision. And uh, here we're, we're told, uh, verse 6, uh, as uh, the, uh, an angel is flying in midair, he had the eternal gospel to proclaim to those who live on the earth. So the gospel is going out to the world. Judgment is coming that the lamb has been slain. Repent, turn to him. Uh, if you're not a Christian here today, the question is, what will you do with evil? And, and the temptation is, is, if you're not a Christian, is to try to either explain it away uh, people are being misunderstood, a lack of education, or whatever it might be. You can blame it on God. Uh, but he's not its cause. But this is the reality. Judgment is coming. And if you're trusting in Jesus, you need to keep going because the outcome's been declared. The end will come. Uh, outside a Methodist church in Prague, on November the 27th in 1989, uh, that oppressive communist regime came to an end. It was under. Uh, and that point, up until then, they're not allowed to even state that they were a church. There were, there were to be no notice boards, no adverts, any sort of publicity. But when the communist rule fell, as states will come and they will go, even the most oppressive ones to God's people, that little church in Prague put up a notice outside its church. It said three words. The lamb wins. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we rejoice that you have made known the end so we can live now in the present of the light of it. Father, in this broken and evil world, we rejoice that the lamb has won. Uh, the devil has been defeated and one day will decisively uh, be defeated. And so we pray that we would live as those who uh, are faithful in this life. Uh, patiently enduring, uh, living with wisdom, proclaiming Christ and following him. And as we do so, we would see your glory. Amen.